This is Northland Outdoors Radio. Dr. Robert Rockwell, our guest here on Northland Outdoors Radio, uh, talking about snow geese and what they do up in the tundra. It's the whole reason behind this spring hunting season or conservation order. So basically, the research that you're doing up there with the Hudson Bay Project, we can pretty much point to that as the reason, and maybe you as, as somebody being instrumental as is in why we can go out there in the spring and hunt these geese. Yep, we were the people that provided the baseline data that started. Now, there's a couple of other teams involved. Uh, my friend Ray Alasauskas out of Saskatoon that works up in the high Canadian Arctic and Queenmont Gulf has provided a lot of the data. But I was fortunate to have a botany partner who has since passed away. And when you have a zoologist and a botanist working together, he was able to show me very, very, very precisely and show all of us what the geese were actually doing to the northern habitat. And it was once we understood that that we, we raised the alarm and we convinced people that there is a real problem. Uh, but our, uh, the Hudson Bay Project was sort of the baseline data that everybody has used. And we're still up there. We're still monitoring it. We're trying to figure out ways to recover the habitat, um, can, better can ways that ha- to control the birds. Can that habitat recover? And how long, how yeah, long will you it know, take? It, it actually can. One of the things we've done, Brett, is go out and take areas that are totally degraded and put little fences around them to exclude Canada geese, the snow geese, caribou, rabbits, and whatnot, and ask the very simple question of, if you can remove all the herbivores, will anything come back? And the answer is, over time, yes, it will. And if the amount of time the geese were feeding on it is less, then it comes back faster. So if we can reduce the snow goose population, we can recover this habitat. What about, and you're in a helicopter a lot up there. By the way, how many helicopter crashes have you been in? I've been in five. <laughs> he said that to me on the phone the other day when we were talking before this interview. I've been in so many helicopter crashes. How, how, <laughs> who, how many people do you know that have been in five helicopter crashes? Uh, not too many. Uh, some of my <laughs> friends that are pilots tell me that they're really not crashes because we walked away. <laughs> sure. Wow. Well, that's that's amazing. I mean, were they pretty serious crashes or what, you know, weather related? No, they were, you're flying along and all of a sudden, you, the, the last thing you want to hear when you're in a helicopter is, is silence. <laughs> so you're, you're flying along and all of a sudden it's really quiet, which means the engine stopped and if they can't get it started, you're going to fall. Oh boy. They always tell you that an auto rotation is, oh, it's just like landing in a parachute. No, it's not. <laughs> Talking with Dr. Robert Rockwell here on Northland Outdoors Radio uh, in regards to snow geese and what they're doing up in the Arctic tundra here. Uh, in the, in the years that the study's been going on, in the 50 years that this study has been going on, the geese are up there basically eating. They're going, they went from the saltwater marsh to the, the freshwater marshes. What else has changed in the years of the study? What else have they done up there? Well, the geese have done, um, I mean, the erosion that is, a, that is a, associated with it is a lot. But the other thing we've noticed is that, I mean, the climate is changing. The climate's warming. The Hudson Bay is rising a bit, like... When we first started the program, we had the buildings all just on railroad ties sitting on the ground. And now we've got the buildings four feet in the air because in the springtime and in the fall, we get such huge tides that if we don't have them four feet in the air, we've got three or four feet of water inside the buildings. So we've noticed a real change in the amount of water that comes in. And our camp is about, I would say, half a mile inland. Um, we've also noticed that we've got at least 10 different species of plants that we find now blooming that we never had up there when I first started. And we have birds up there that we never had when I first started. 
uh, not too many years ago, um, I was lying in my bunk and I was trying to figure out what this bird that was calling outside was because it had all sorts of different calls. And finally, I got frustrated and I looked out the window and there sitting in a willow right outside my window was a mockingbird of all things. Hmm. So there's a, a shift north of uh, species of both birds and of plants. The other thing we've noticed is that there's a shift in the um, in the shrub line and in the tree line, which is gradually moving north in association with climate change. Uh, so there's all sorts of changes like that, which is going to change the the avifauna. We've got it used to be that four-legged mammals that weren't predators. Um, we had mostly caribou. Now we have caribou and moose both. Uh, in terms of four-legged predators, we have uh, lots of polar bears, but we also have grizzly bears now, and we have black bears. Hmm. Um, we have Arctic fox. We have red fox. Um, so the whole um, community of animals up there is changing. Now, part of that is just climate change, and part of it is a result of the habitat change for the geese. Uh, a lot of the birds have shifted simply because as the geese destroy the vegetation, then a lot of the birds that we used to have nesting in the area have moved on or have moved more inland or have moved further north. But we've had other bird species move in and replace them. So everything is always changing, which I suppose, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's scientifically interesting and it's also just personally interesting because it's what keeps me going back up there every year. Sure. It's always a little different. Sure. You know, and, it, and, it, and it's definitely interesting to me too. And I know a lot of hunters just like the opportunity, Hey, geez, we got a, we got a season. We can go out and, and, uh, and get the shotguns out in the spring and not just in the fall, but it's interesting to know why exactly we can do that. I think it's important to know why exactly we can do that as well. Are there any other studies involving snow geese going on like that? Or is this kind of the main major project up there regarding snows? There, there are actually three main snow goose projects in, in North America. There's ours, there's the one I mentioned of Ray Alasowskis in Central Canadian Arctic, and then there's the one by my friend Gilles Gauthier from Laval University on Bilot Island. He works with greater snow geese, and that's over in the, in the northeastern part of the Arctic. And uh, again, the, the, the greater snow geese have increased a lot. So those are the three main snow goose studies that are going on. And how old would you say some of the, you know, we, we've had some banded snow geese where you, you hear about geese that are in the, you know, 20 to 30 year, year old range. How old do you suppose some of these geese are? You know, I had one that was 35 years old in my lap. And, um, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm fairly confident that, that I probably banded her originally. But um, I think that one of the things that these birds do is they are incredibly habitual. So that I think a female, when she starts flying south, she has a route that she uses. And if just by chance alone, she flies a route that avoids uh, hunting areas, then she's probably going to live a very long time because hunting is the major source of mortality. And I think that these birds just do their thing. They come back. They nest close to where they did. They raise their kids, they take them to the best habitat they can find once they've hatched them, and they repeat it every year. So I think this is one of the other things that allows this population or this species to continue persisting. It's just that they are very flexible. They'll try new things, and if it works, they'll stick with it. Well, and you, and you talk about a bird that's, you know, 30 years old, 35 years old. It's got two eyes. It flies in a flock with, 
even say a thousand other snow geese and it gets hunted for nine months out of the year, it's going to get tougher and tougher to hunt these birds year after year. That to me is one of the pleasurable challenges yes. of, of hunting. Sure, absolutely. Um, Dr. Robert Rockwell, our guest here on Northland Outdoors Radio, just another minute or two left with, uh, with you here, Rocky, on the radio show. Would you say the increase in the small grains, uh, the, the corn and the soybeans in the United States, that's what helped grow the snow goose population? I think initially it was the increase, their increased use of, of rice, uh, rapeseed, uh, canola, that kind of stuff, uh, winter wheat. And I think the thing that's done it most recently is all of these leguminous plants that are being grown over in Saskatchewan. I think that's one of the big things that's really contributing to their explosion. You also talked about mixed results, mixed reviews on the conservation order. How many years have we had the conservation order, the spring hunting season now so far? Since 96. 96, that's what it was. Okay, and, and he said right now reviews are mixed. Do you think there's, we're in danger of maybe losing that season? No, I don't think we're going to lose that season because if we lose the season, it's going to get worse in a big hurry. I, I think that the, the reviews are mixed in the sense that we originally thought that this conservation order would help us control the population and bring it down to a growth rate of no growth so that it would just be stationary at maybe five or six million birds. And I think what we now know is that the population was once upon a time growing at about 6% annually, and it's gradually creeping its way back up there. And as I said, it's doing that because the hunter harvest is, has become a fixed number. It's sort of like the way we do fisheries. Not in, we're not intentionally doing that with migratory birds. But in this case, there's a saturation. Hunters can only take so many, and there's only so many hunters. So you've got a fixed number of birds you're taking each year, and if the population continues to grow, then it means a smaller and smaller proportion are being shot each year. And that means that the pressure from hunter harvest on the population is getting less and less. So the solution to that is to try to re I don't think you can ask most hunters to shoot more because you run into the problems like my friend that said he'd get thrown out if he brought more home. <laughs> right. I think what we need to do is recruit more people into the hunting population. So I think getting more uh, young people involved in hunting, I think it's really important to get more women involved in hunting. And I think those two things alone would really help out. I think that's great to introduce more people to it. I know uh, I spent a little bit of time with a guiding uh, company last year, and I'm going to be spending some time with them again this spring, and um, sure seems like interest is, is high. And when we spent time in South Dakota last year for, for five weeks, uh, it seemed like every guide company and their, and their brother was in South Dakota uh, dotting all the cornfields across the state. So, um, yeah, I, I think we can always use more. I think in the, just in the grand scheme of things, we can always use more hunters and people that enjoy uh, the outdoors because that just ends up uh, bringing more conservationists into the discussion, I think. So the Hudson Bay Project, uh, a, a very interesting project. The reason we can hunt snow geese in the spring. And Dr. Robert Rockwell, thank you for, for doing it so that we're allowed to have this because it's, like I said, it's one of my favorite things to do. And it obviously serves a purpose as well. Dr. Rocky, I appreciate the time here today on Northland Outdoors Radio. Okay, thanks very much. You guys have a good time and uh, shoot and eat more snowgies. And I can talk snow geese all day long. Unfortunately, our show is only an hour. If you missed any part of this hour, you can podcast our shows at northlandoutdoors.com. Thanks to Zippy Doll 2 from the Perch Patrol for being on the show. And thank you for listening. I'm Brett T-Bone Amundsen. Make sure you take some time to spend some time in the outdoors this week. Northland Outdoors Radio is a division of Forum Communications Company and broadcasts across the Northland on the Northland Outdoors Radio Network. 
If you have a story that we should talk about, let us know at northlandoutdoors.com.